If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Year, session number 374. Hello, and welcome to The Premed Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Uh, welcome to The Premed Years. Thank you so much for taking some time to join me today. This week, I'm excited to have a guest on who I've met through Instagram and on Facebook, someone who has built an amazing community around the MCAT, someone who didn't necessarily need to take the MCAT, but he's like, I'm going to take it anyway. (laughs) Dive into all of that and more. The MCAT is obviously a question that every student has a question about. What book should I get? How long should I study? How do I make a study schedule? Well, that is what I'm going to talk to Raj about. Raj from MCAT Bros. You can find his community at MCAT Bros on Instagram or the MCAT Preparation Study Group on Facebook. You can also find my group, the Premed Hangout, premedhangout.com, which is on Facebook as well. We talk about Raj's journey and all about the MCAT. We had a great discussion before and after as well. So let's say hello to Raj. Raj, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Dr. Gray. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How are you doing today? Good, good. Just enjoying enjoying the day. Um, Another busy day. I'm excited to chat with the, the, the man, the myth, the legend behind MCAT bros, which we will talk about uh, shortly. But I want to start with when you first realized you wanted to be a physician. Sure. So I think I wanted to be a physician probably in high school, um, around 11th grade, 12th grade. Um, I, I started really being in hospital settings, um, nursing homes. I started just dabbling in it. Um, you know, my grandfather, you know, was sick. He had cancer at one point, you know, and I've always been someone who wanted to help people. And, you know, I was trying to find careers for myself that could help people. So I, you know, I said, you know, let's see if medicine is for me. And I had actually been fortunate to hear about BSMD and BSDO programs early on. And I knew that like, 11th grade, I had to get going if I wanted to explore that path. Mm. So, um, you know, I did research. I, I didn't really like research that much. You know, teaching was great, but I thought I could do that with medicine. So, mm. um, and, you know, I started shadowing at the uh, nursing home. I started doing transport at um, a big hospital nearby. And I really f- felt that I could, you know, see myself um you know, for a long time career in medicine. And I thought of other things and I just didn't see the human interaction, you know, as much the, the, the human interaction and helping people in a time of need. I think that's what pulled me to it and nothing else that I had explored in high school really had that. Yeah. So you talked about BSMD, BSDO programs for a student sure. who doesn't know that maybe they're a high school student now, which about sure. 10% of my audience is uh-huh. explain what that is. 
Sure. So there are basically six-year, seven-year, or eight-year programs where you apply in high school and um, you have to have an SAT score, usually a pretty competitive one, typically SAT two scores as well. So instead of, and you have to apply to both the undergraduate and the graduate uh, and the medical school, and you have to interview at both the undergraduate and the medical school. Not all undergrad schools have these types of agreements. It's very few. Um, So you have to like seek out these programs. And what you do is you make sure you meet their requirements and, um, you know, both the ones for the medical school and for the program, and you can apply. And what they're looking for is everything that a medical school looks for from an undergraduate student when they apply. Do you have clinical experience? Do you have research? Do you have volunteering? You know, do you have the grades? Are you going to make it academically? Do you have the passion? Are you going to make it through eight years, you know, of this? Because they're they're starting you out four years earlier, so they better know <laughs> you're going to make it. And I found that, you know, a lot of students don't make it through these programs because, yeah. you know, they're too young. They're too young at 17 or 18. So I, if you're going to consider these, uh, really be serious about it. Um, and, you know, don't, yeah, you have to be really committed um, and you have to know it's for you. Otherwise, you're never going to make it through the program um, and you'll find another passion, which a lot of my friends did find um, along the way. Um, and some people find it, they drop out of medical school. Some people find it in undergrad. Um, so I think it's very important if you're going to seek a career in medicine to get the clinical experience. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, you, you might have the grades to get into these programs. Maybe a school will accept you without the clinical experience too. Maybe. Yep. Um, you have the grades. It might be very lucrative for them to have you, but get the clinical experience before you decide for eight years where you're going to be for undergrad and where you're going to be for med school. Yeah. But, um, you know, they're just a way to guarantee yourself, reduce the stress of pre-med, kind of transfer some of that over to high school um, <laughs> and, you know, do have a little bit more intellectual freedom um, and um, in undergrad. Doesn't mean you can slack off. It means you can have a lot of intellectual freedom. Yeah. Uh, you can maybe do clubs that are not as pre-med related. You mm. could, you know, pursue a different degree. You could pursue a different, you know, you can pursue a different major anyways, but a lot of people don't know that. And I think uh, they think, oh, I'm in a BSMD program. I can now like actually be a sociology major, but you can actually do that anyways. Yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of, but I, I do think the BSMD and BSDO programs offer a lot of flexibility. Uh, you don't need to do clinical experience. There's no pressure. You know, you don't need to have a 4.0 and you don't need to have a 4.0 anyways, like, you know, you and I know, yeah. but I think there's a lot of laxity that, hey, my program requirement is, is 3.4, 3.5, maybe 3.6. All I need is a 3.6. Yep. And I don't have to kill myself to learn these things. I can do knowledge for the pursuit of knowledge and rather than the grade for real, because I don't actually need the grade. Uh, but if you don't know your medical school, you got to try for that 4.0, no matter what. You, know, <laughs> you, might, you, might, you might have slipped to a 3.4, 3.2, and you can still get in. But you got to try. Every year, you got to try for that 4.0. Yeah. You know, that's what I advise. So did you end up doing a BSMD or BSDO program? Oh yeah, absolutely. I did. Uh, so I went to St. Bonaventure University okay. uh, and I actually, it was actually really nice. Um, um, I really didn't do a lot of pre-med stuff um, that most pre-meds do in undergrad. I was in student government. I did teaching jobs. You know, I did some clinical experience, obviously, because mm-hmm. um, I was interested in that. But, you know, I explored different parts of my personality mm-hmm. um, in undergrad. And I was able to graduate in three years, um, really never worried about my grade, just worried about collaboration, worried about learning to learn, you know, building a community of pre-med peers to help each other out. And so I graduated in three years and I took a year off and I took my MCAT um, and just, you know, I just had some personal time for myself and then started medical school. Yeah, that's awesome. 
What do you think was the hardest part of being a a pre-med student in one of those programs? Hmm. I think the hardest part is you feel like you have to stay in medicine. Um, because when you're in, and I know a lot of my friends, they experience this. They, they're kind of they're already in medical school. So, you know, and that's kind of what they've been doing since high school. So, and they have this like amazing opportunity, you know, and you got to continue. And there's a lot of external factors as well. It's like being on a sports team. Um, a lot of the times you have a lot of colleagues, you know, all your close contacts, a lot of the times are, you know, it's just like a sports team. At least it was at my university. And for a lot of students I know, and you know, they're all doing it. And it's like, if you aren't doing it anymore, it's like, Oh no, you know, like, what, 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 what will my friends think? You know, what will happen? You know, and yeah. there's a lot of pressure, I think, in that way. The other thing is there's a lot of pressure to keep up your grades. A lot of some of these programs, there's like, there's like some of them is like 3.8 requirement. You know, they're really high. Mm-hmm. And in like it's like, oh, shoot, I'm never going to get to medical school if I don't keep this up. But like I've seen students who don't meet the cutoff for their requirements can get in the normal way to medical school, a different medical school. You yeah. know, so they don't meet the MCAT cutoff like a some they're so high for some of these programs, 512. And, you know, and for that university, that might be a bargain. But, yeah. you know, there are other universities who will take that student. And yeah. the other huge thing is there's just there's a lot of you can't mess up at any point. You know, like they want that minimum GPA always. And there's some programs have a little bit of leniency, but others not so much. They kind of boot you out. Like, you know, so if you're like if you struggled initially, and then you rise up, maybe you're not in the program anymore. And maybe if you need an extra year for the MCAT, maybe you're not in the program anymore. So there's a lot of pressure to be on that timeline. Yeah. And I've noticed that a lot with the six-year programs, particularly. Yeah. Two years of undergrad, oof, tough. And I, I, for me, I knew that wasn't for me. So I chose four-year programs. But I know a lot of students, they're like, I just want to be a doctor. I just want to be a doctor ASAP. And that's why they choose these programs. And they choose the six-year or the seven-year programs. And I think that is very tough. Um, and you're very not, I mean, some people can do it and they're gifted and they have everything together. But a lot of students, I, I know they struggle with the MCAT. I know, you know, they have some slips on the road and the programs might not allow for it. You know, so you have to watch out for that. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of students see these students going through these accelerated um, BSMD programs, BSDO, uh, and they get a little jealous. Like, oh, that's so amazing. You get to do that. And and there's a few of them out there. We don't even have to take an MCAT, which is great. Uh, which is <laughs> not that great, actually, I think, in some regard, because yeah. uh, my program didn't. Because what I find is, like, if you don't have to deal with that struggle, it's like, if you never have to struggle with the test, get used to that test taking. Yeah. I don't know, like, if you're ever, you know, the USMLE is harder. It's hard. It's harder. <laughs> um, and you have to, and the thing is, undergrad, if you could have a 4.0 in undergrad, the MCAT can still be challenging. Yeah. These board exams can still be challenging. Definitely. So I think it's important to train yourself, at least yeah. try. Um, and and so even if it doesn't require it, I say, hey, try. It's, it's almost like a... It's like a test. Like, do I have the commitment, you know, mm-hmm. and the capacity to do it? And I say, try, even if you don't need it, try, try to get a 500. And it is what I tell people, you yeah. know? So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how many people are going to take you up on that offer. Be like, I don't need to take the MCAT. You want me to take the MCAT? Uh, okay. You're crazy, man. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Um, so, so talk about, you said your program didn't require it, but you ended up taking the MCAT. What what was the process for you? Did you not get that direct linkage for for going on from St. Bonaventure to the the medical school that was associated with it? 
No, actually, I did get the linkage. Um, so, but I, I chose. I actually did it for the same reason. I ah. said, "Hey, I actually struggle with standardized testing. Uh, you know, I had to take my SAT two or three. I don't even remember three times. I think, and the mm-hmm. PSAT two or three times, and I had to study really hard. And I finally got a decent score at it to get me into a BSTO program because yeah. they are competitive. Um, and that actually unlocked a lot of opportunities. My SAT score, and I took my SAT twos actually twice as well." And so I said, hey, I can't be struggling. And, you know, the MCAT is what my peers are going to have taken. So I need to battle this for myself yeah. and see if I learned the material that I was supposed to learn. Can I retain it and can I apply it and see how well can I do? And I think part of that, I didn't take the MCAT seriously for a while, mm. <laughs> um, you know, because I didn't have that urgency that, oh, I need a X score to get into X, you know, uh, but I still definitely did try my best. And I do urge other students to do the same. And I have seen other students do the same um, and really excel. And I think it's a good learning opportunity. And I think everyone I know who takes the MCAT is actually kind of grateful for it, looking back <laughs> at it. So. <laughs> uh yeah i don't know if i'm in that boat <laughs> some students are very bitter <laughs> they're like I, that was the worst point in my life yeah. blah blah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I might be in that camp um what do you think i obviously with with what you're doing now with mcat bros you uh-huh. you talk to tons of students who are preparing for the mcat you have taught yourself and learned as much as you could to become an mcat expert what do you think is the biggest misconception about the mcat that students have coming into it um i would say that I did well in my pre-med classes um, and I can do well in the MCAT Mm. or, and the other one is I can study two months or six weeks and do well because my friend did it. They look at the one or the outliers, 18 days. There's a, I'm not kidding. Look at it right now. I've seen it. (laughs) 18 days. um, And And they got like a 520, right? Yeah. It's crazy. So, and I believed it too. Um, I said, I can study I have a friend who studied one month and he got a 30 and, you know, he got into medical school, but yeah. and I thought I could be him. I was like, you know, he's my colleague. He goes to my school. Yeah. Um, you know, so 30, like, hey. 30 for the student listening is like, like a five eleven ish now. Five, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like a five. And I was like, oh yeah, I could do the same thing. No. Yeah. Like, or like, oh, I can read the whole Kaplan book in whatever book that you choose <laughs> in like one day or yeah. like seven days. And for me, it was like, okay, a chapter took me like two days to read. And that was just my pace, you know? And, and it was tough. And I think a lot of students, they kind of take like the best case scenario for them um, or the best case scenario that they heard. And they, they try to apply it to themselves. And that's a huge misconception and it messes up their timeline big yeah. time. They're like, I'm going to graduate uh, as a senior, take my MCAT and start. Oh, that's the other thing. I'm going to graduate as a senior. I'm going to start studying for the MCAT and then I'm going to start medical school that fall. That's not how the timeline works. And no one, no one tells you that I think. And I do a lot of that. You actually have to take the MCAT junior year before you graduate to have the best possible chance for an MD program in the United States. And no one tells you that everyone's like, and I think that's, those are the huge misconceptions that basically people don't know about. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I'd agree with the, as far as the MD program, I, I typically don't talk much about MD versus DO and what's better for MD because it's at this point, DO, DO programs are just as hard to get into. The stats are lower agree, for a I lot of schools. You can, you can take the test. Um, maybe you don't agree. Um, but what I have seen is you can take the test by August. 
for Dio focus. Oh yeah, yeah. for for timeline that, wise, that, a thousand percent. Timeline, yeah. timeline. Yes, um, the, the, the Dio application is like, very very is strict, and people don't really understand it that well. Um, and even yeah. for Dio, some students think I can really take it my May at the end of my senior year and start that fall. That's not <laughs> how the timeline nope. works, nope, you know. Nope, nope. Or yep. or the, for Dio programs specifically, a lot of the timelines are March. You can apply by March, but the chances of you taking the MCAT in January and getting in by March is slim. Yeah. And um, some people do get in. I know a guy who you know took it in January and he got in. There's, know, always, uh, there's always those people. There's always exceptions. And and those are the vocal exceptions, I, I like yeah. to call them. Um, and I, I think that's the, that's the problem. Yeah. So, you know, I do a lot of timeline work. Um, you know, timeline and how long you have to study, how, how hard this test actually is for the yeah. normal student, yeah. um, and when you actually have to take this test, and what you have to do to prepare for it. Yeah. And people have no clue. No clue. I see a lot of students deferring the MCAT until after they graduate, so they don't have to study for their classes and the MCAT and worry about applying. And so they're kind of purposefully taking gap years yeah. to do that. How 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 common do you see that being? And would you recommend that for the majority of students or for specific students? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're struggling with your classes, um, you should absolutely focus on your classes. Uh, take that extra time because grades are so expensive to repair. So much time, so much money. Uh, so absolutely uh, focus on your classes. Worry about the MCAT later. Like you don't need to add more to your plate when you're already struggling with the basics, which is doing well in school. That's number one, um, in, in my opinion. Uh, number one is doing well in school, having a decent GPA to, you know, in your four years and everything else can be worked out later the mcat and all that uh, otherwise you're going to be doing post back masters and you can do that that's fine but it's just gonna be a lot more expensive and the mcat's a quick fix three months maybe six months of your life quick fix a grade can be one year two years even three years like you know um so worry about your grades um if you have good grades and you're able to manage a light semester or able to study over a summer Absolutely. Take, take, take it during that time. Yeah. But if you're not able to handle the MCAT, you know, and I know I work with a lot of students, they think they can study with their master's program post back. <laughs> um, and some do, and some, they think they can. And they're like, Hey, I'm falling behind my schedule. I'm falling, you know, I'm not able to do this. I say, Hey, don't worry about it. You know, let's, we're going to worry about this later. And it's totally okay. I, that's what I did. I took my MCAT my gap year, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that's what worked for me. I, and I, I would not have been able to graduate in three years and take the MCAT in that time. No way. It would have been a disaster for my grades. It would have been a disaster for my MCAT. Some students are able to handle it. Um, and for them, great. And so I think you have to know yourself. If you're doing extremely well in school, you know, you have good prerequisite background. You did, you know, you can easily take this test with your classes. No problem. It's not, it's not too daunting for you. Yeah. But if you're struggling with your grades, you struggle with standardized testing, you might need some extra time, some isolated time. And for them, I say, a lot of times I say, hey, try to graduate in three and a half years. And, you know, then you can maybe take four months of isolated time to study for this test and, you know, volunteer and do all that stuff and then apply and take an, and take a gap year, you know, during your application cycle. And that works very well for a lot of students. Yeah. One of the most common questions I see from students is what books should I buy for the MCAT? I'm sure you see it all the time. Oh, and yeah. uh, oh, yeah. the, the general response that I typically give is 
they all kind of cover the same outline that the double AMC material gives you. But before we were, before we hit record, you kind of had a different outlook on what book may be better for a particular student. What Uh is your kind of thought process behind the books and how you recommend them to students? Sure, absolutely. So I think every company does a good job. Um, you know, they, they 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 do put some emphasis in their product, and you know, they a lot of companies do improve their product over time too, which is good. Um, but I think there are some companies who focus more on practice questions. Um, I know. Uh, who are known for some particular subject, but they might take longer to get through. So, um, you know, I know, for example, Berkeley Review, they take a long time to get through. So you need to have that time. Uh, But they focus on a lot of questions. So if you need a lot of questions that are embedded with your content review, I would say Berkeley Review is great. If you need some experimental questions, you know, really, really experimental questions, like Exam Crackers does a really good job. They have 30-minute exams. Really, really hard questions. If you just need a good content review, Kaplan and Princeton Review do a good job. Princeton Review being a little bit more dense. You know, next up, you know, kind of, I, I feel like they're a balance between exam crackers and Kaplan. They kind of, they're like a in, in the middle. So you have to sort of, I think, but I think it doesn't matter at the end of the day. It doesn't matter what has more or what has less. And I think you say, echo this a lot. Do what works for you. You know, pick a resource that you like learning from. You know, and if you do that, any resource will improve your score quite a lot. Um, And another thing that I do is you don't need MCAT books necessarily to do well on this test. I know for my learning, Khan Academy was a godsend. Um, I had (laughs) two, I used two companies books. um, And I I went to Amazon. I got the two bestsellers, you know, I had no clue. I had no guidance. I just, I was like, okay, I need one book set. Another one would be good. So, uh, but, you know, after I read, I'm like, wait, I actually don't learn well from reading. Like, what was I doing? So I wasted three months reading books, which is actually how long it took me. There's no way I could have done it faster. But, I, you know, whatever. I, I improved my reading skills, I guess. But uh, what, what really helped me was I watched almost all the Khan Academy videos. And I didn't know that was a viable option. Like, I had no clue. I took yeah. the test in 2016. Um, and no one really talked about that. You know, and I think that's really important to know. Like, you can actually go through the AMC outline and mm. use any resource. It doesn't need to be an MCAT resource, even though you might feel like it is an MCAT resource. And I think books are great. Maybe having them as a supplement is great, but you don't need to read a book cover to cover to do well on this test. Yeah. Um, and I recommend that to, to a lot of students, like especially if you need some, if you have a 475 coming in and you might need some videos because you know you need someone to explain things to you. And you know because how did you learn for the first 12 years, 14 years of your life? You know, we're not, what are we living in these days is videos, podcasts, um, you know, to help learn. And, you know, um, so I think that is really beneficial. Um, You know, if you're not going to use videos as a primary resource, absolutely use it as a supplemental, you know, one company does not, is not the Bible, you know, uh, for the MCAT, not at all. You know, just because it's in Kaplan, next step, exam crackers, doesn't matter. (laughs) They might include things that are not on the MCAT. That's one person's opinion, you know, and same with me, I'm an opinion, you know, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day, you have to do what works for you. You have to find the resources that work for you. And I say, go to a library, go ask them, you know, if you have a pre-health office, Flip through a book set. See what's working for you. See how much time do you actually have. Do you do you have a month to study? Your resources are going to be very different than if you have four months to study, where you can use something a little bit more comprehensive. How long do you recommend somebody study? 
so I, I think months is not a thing, it's hours. Um, so I think 20 to 30 hours per one point improvement that you want is what I recommend. So if you're looking for a 10 point jump, 200 to 300 hours is plenty. But if you're looking 10 for 10 point 30, from what, a diagnostic? From a diagnostic, yeah. Okay. Um, 200 to 300 point, uh, so yeah, 200 to 300 hours. So I would say 300 hours is basically a bare minimum, uh, right. you know, to really to really do this. Cause the AMC materials is 2,500 questions. Yeah. And if you're spending like five minutes a question there, that's, uh, you know, 12,500 minutes, uh, you know, because that's <laughs> what you need to spend to really learn all the materials. So, yeah. um, 12,500 divided by 60. <laughs> Come on, Raj, you got to do that math in your head. <laughs> that's like, that's almost 150 to 200 hours. You should be spending on Just AMC on material alone, yeah. alone. So, um, so, and then maybe a hundred hours of content review on top of that. Yeah. So if you're just doing the bare minimum, 300, I see, I see some of my students are doing up to 700 hours. And I think that's part of the reason for the success. Um, they're actually putting in the time, you know? Uh, so um, if you have a weak background, you're going to be putting it, you're going to be relearning all your prereqs. If you didn't yeah. take your prereqs, you know, I say, Hey, you can actually take the MCAT without your prereqs, but guess what? You're going to be adding 80 hours of time for every prereq you're missing to your MCAT studying. Mm. So if you want to do that, by all means, and you can do it and you will be successful. But if you don't want to do that, you're not disciplined enough to self-study, take your prereqs, do well in those, and then spend the 200 to 300 hours at the end to study for your MCAT exclusively. Yeah. What if so, someone uh, comes to you and it's like, okay, Raj, I need to take the test because I have to apply because my parents or whatever their life oh, situation yeah. is, I have to take the test now or like in a month because I need to apply this cycle. Uh, and I haven't taken physics too. I haven't taken orgo too. I haven't taken biochem. Uh, uh -huh. and, and also I'm working a part-time job and taking two classes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you're like, um, like what, what do you do in that yeah. situation? Cause that happens all the time. Oh, all the time. Um, so, I, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm forced to say I'm not a fairy. I'm not an MCAT fairy. <laughs> you know, I can't just, you can't pay me enough to do this. Uh, so, you know, and. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, do you know what I say to those situations? This is, this is literally what I tell students. I'm like, I believe in miracles, but not when it comes to the MCAT. <laughs> <laughs> no, I absolutely agree. I absolutely, the MCAT is, it's a test of hard work. And so, yeah. so are your board exams in medical school. Um, it's, it's, you don't need to be super smart. Maybe to get a 520, you got to have some intelligence, but you don't got to be super smart to get a 510, a 512, a 505, a score that can get you into medical school. No problem. Yeah. Um, you know, and you can, and you can, you know, you can get a good enough score. You know, if you work hard at it, you make the compromises. You got to make compromises though. Maybe you got to scale back work. Maybe, you know, your work is an 80 hour job per week, you know, and I understand I'm sympathetic, but like, you got to find a way like, you know, cause you have to, yeah. Or you got to study a year, year and a half. And I recommend that to some students too. Um, you know, you're working 80 hours a week. You have like two hours to study, and you're starting at a 475. Maybe a year is going to be what you require. Yeah. And you know, and that's kind of I think what I do is the first thing I do is, hey, you're not ready to apply the cycle. You're just going to waste your money, cause frustration. You, you can, your parents can contact me. <laughs> but, uh, I'm not. I cannot help you um, with your situation. Yeah. And if you want to go against my recommendation, I can assist you in some way. But that's the first thing. This is not my recommendation. I've not seen it work for the norm. Um, you know, but if you think you're exceptional and you are special, I can tell you what works, but I do not believe it will work. Um, but you can try and you can try to improve and you will probably improve some, but not to the level that you need um, to get into medical school. I am special, so, Raj. My mommy 
my mommy tells me I'm special every day. <laughs> <laughs> and I do see that the parent thing, that, that's a huge thing. My yeah. parents, I somehow I'm able to figure out if it's their parents, what is it? So I make a repetitive post. Can't be the parents pushing you because it's just yep. going to lead to disaster. Yeah, um, always it's gonna, does. It's, and you're just going to waste your money, reduce your chances to medical school, spend more time. It just, it's just a mess. Um, yeah. And you're going to be miserable. You're going to waste that one month that you are studying and stress, which is not going to lead to any, any good. Versus yeah. you can use that one month productively and make the correct plan. What's a common trait that you see amongst the the most successful MCAT students? Oh, it's consistency. Consistency. A passion to improve. Um, a willingness to find the resources to improve. A willingness to learn from their practice questions. A willingness to supplement their resources. A willingness to really seek out the information. And uh, a willingness to actively engage with the material. Um, those are Those are... Huge. Um, I know people who track their progress, who, you know, write down what they learned from their mistakes, from their practice questions, review those mistakes, which takes hard work. It's not just hours. It's that additional level of, you know, hard work um, that is required that I see is important. Um, and I think uh, successful students are also very re realistic. You know, they're very realistic and they're interested more in the knowledge and improving rather than how do I get a 520? You know, how do I take a shortcut through this process? You know, they're, they're more than happy to learn from their mistakes and do more questions, do what's required to improve, you yeah. know, move their test if required and do that. Um, I see a lot of students using Anki as well lately. That's mm -hmm. become a huge, huge trend, which just allows you to, you know, do space repetition and repeat the information many, many times in an easy way where you don't have to read the book five times. Yeah. And not everybody has to use it. Um, our last two tutors, actually, who are now uh, first year medical students, neither of them, you know, used Anki. You know, they just, freelanced it yeah. and they got a hundred percentile. So, but I think for the normal student, I think Anki is something you can at least look into, you know, yeah. uh, to uh, incorporate in your study. So let me, let me, let me paraphrase or rephrase what you were talking about with the consistency, because as you continue to talk about who those consistent students are, uh -huh. what I heard was the students who typically do the best are enjoying the process oh, and yeah. not, not necessarily seeing the the end result of having that score as the only success. And they're seeing success every day in all of the small improvements. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because you're going to, you're going to have some up, uphill and then downhill, uphill and downhill. You're going to have a score that just suddenly goes down at points. Um, and you know, it's, it's going to be, maybe the first test is only be a four point improvement, but that's a lot. That's huge. Like, you know, that, that's, 120 hours of work with my, you know, calculations, maybe 80 hours of work. So good job. Um, you know, and so, yeah, they see everything as a way to learn an opportunity to, to improve and rather than, Oh, I feel defeated. Like, Oh, I didn't improve. It's, Hey, how do I fix myself? Yeah. So and I think that's an important mentality to have, um, across the board. So that's what the successful students do. And, you know, and it's the consistency. It really is a consistency. The students who don't do well, they study like two days and then they don't study for a week. And, you know, we follow actually a lot of our students back on Instagram. So we see a lot of what's going on. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
So which I like engaging with the community, but you see what, you know, you see the students who are studying, they're the groupies that, you know, that we have, they're asking content questions versus people who are, you know, eating out, you know, you know, enjoying, enjoying parties with their friends. <laughs> and, you know, that's fine. You know, that's fine. But like, you know, there's a time where the MCAT, some people can do that, but not the majority. So, you know, two months of your test better, you know, maybe cut out the parties, you know, maybe, maybe cut out the drinking. It's not good for your uh, long-term learning at all. So delayed gratification is what I always talk about okay. as something that I struggled with a lot when I was in college. It's like the, the Friday night rolls around and all your friends are like, Hey, we're going downtown to the bars. And I'm like, uh, MCAT studying or go out with friends. I'm going to go out with friends. And I notice a lot of non-traditionals, they are a lot more serious uh, because, you know, they have already, you know, they're sometimes a lot more successful, you know, because mm -hmm. they're like, oh, shoot, they actually have it together at that point. And a lot of undergrads are like, oh, I just got to get it done. My friends are doing it. I just got to get it done. But they don't have that discipline uh, that it requires to actually get it done. And that's what I like to do a lot of, like, what does it actually require to get it done? Like, you got to do this, like, you know, and you got to do it eventually. And it's okay to postpone and take it later. And we had a live session yesterday. You know, she was supposed to take it in August and January, and then she ended up taking it in May which is okay. And I think that happens to a lot of students. Um, yep. But, you know, eventually you're going to have to work hard at this. So you do it now or you do it later, but figure it out when you want to sacrifice. And if you want to enjoy now, you're 18 years old, that's okay. Yep. You know, or you're 21 years old, you want to enjoy for two years, go to medical school a little bit later. Yep. That's okay. And I think that's awesome that the MCAT is there. So you're not in medical school doing the same thing. You realize what it is like to actually sit down and study which yeah. the MCAT requires. Um, what's the first step that a student should do to create a schedule to study for the MCAT? Cause that's a, that's a huge question is how do I, how do I make a schedule? Sure. I think um, you don't need a diagnostic test, but I think you could take a diagnostic test. Um, um, every single company that I know of, except exam crackers, um, has a diagnostic test that you can take mm -hmm. and sign up for. Um, AMC recommends that you take their sample test. However, spending 268 bucks when you're first starting for your test, you know, probably not the best thing. And you could buy it separately, but you're going to have to buy the rest of the material anyway. So you're yeah. going to waste more money. And I'm all about, you know, saving your money. So use a free exam that, you know, these companies have so graciously offered you. And maybe it's a little bit harder or a little bit less accurate, but so what? It's going to get you a good baseline understanding. Am I a 500 student? Am I a 510? I've seen one girl who got a 508 starting. You know, she could take the test today. Um, you know, so uh, what type of student? Well, where am I? What is the MCAT actually? I've, I've listened to Dr. Gray's podcast. I've listened to MCAT. What is the MCAT? Yep. Sit down and do it. You know, get, you know, when you learn to drive, what do you do first? You know, after the little like learner's permit, they get you on the wheel. You know, you don't watch someone drive, you know, yeah. and they guide you. So that, um, take a diagnostic test, see where you're at. See, okay, like do I have a 470? Be realistic. Then, then there's big, like be realistic. That's a big thing. Do I need a month to study? Two months, three months, four months, six months, eight months? You know, how much time do I actually need? I remember 300 hours minimum of actually studying. So, you know, how much is that? If I'm studying two hours a day, maybe that's 150 days, right? So maybe if it's eight hours a day, maybe it's only two or three months. So, you know, make that analysis for yourself. After that, decide what materials you want to use. And I think this is why you see that question so much. There's so much out there. What do I use? There's classes, there's, there's books, there's... 
there's so much. There's question banks, tests, uh, AMC materials. Podcasts. Uh, <laughs> <huh>? Podcasts. Podcasts, <laughs> question banks. And there's dozens of each of them, dozens. Um, yeah. And there's like random companies you've never heard of. There's companies that are a little bit more popular. Do <laughs> you have to use the popular company? Who knows? Um, and so people are very lost. But you just got to, I think if you're spending more than one day to discover it's a problem. Like in one day, you got to figure out what to use. Do as much research as you want one day. Just And once you pick it, stick with it until you're totally, it's not working for you. Yeah. But try to stick it through and just do it. Like it's just about sticking it through. Don't make excuses that, oh, this is not great. Like maybe it's not, but stick it through as much as you can and supplement with resources as required. Uh, don't go out and buy more stuff once you've decided <laughs> it's fine. But uh, that's what's, that other book is what's going to help me. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Once you have decided what to buy, you know, you could buy more, but like that's not going to solve your problems. You can go to free resources and supplement and, you know, make it work. Um, and after that, sit down. Okay, this is Saturday. I have zero hours of studying on Saturday because I work. Do not assign yourself two chapters on Saturday because you have zero hours to work, you know? So, um, you know, lay out the entire book set like throughout your studying, you know? So, and Give yourself a break day if you can, you know, if it allows for it. Give yourself a catch-up day if it allows for it. If you're working a 12-hour shift, maybe you don't have it in you, do you, yeah. you know, to do um, to do any MCAT that day. Or maybe you have, you know, like a, two labs and three classes. Maybe you don't have it in you to do any MCAT that day. That's okay. Um, plan for your finals week. You're not going to be studying on finals week, like, unless you're... <laughs> you know, superhuman, you're not going to be, you know, like, you know, and people, oh yeah, no problem. You know, no, you're not going to be studying finals week. You're just going to fall behind. Um, yeah. So be very realistic. Right. And then read a chapter. How long does it take me to read a chapter? Is it three hours? Is it 10 hours? If it's 10 hours and you have three hours a day to study, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be three days for a chapter, not one day. You're gonna be overwhelmed. <laughs> not a half a day. <laughs> not half a day. Yeah. You're going to be overwhelmed and you're never going to, you're going to be like, oh, why am I failing? And you're going to mess yeah. up. So that's a key thing. You know, you got to figure out how long. And if fine, I don't have 10 hours to read a chapter. Guess what? That book set is not good for you. If it's taking you 10 hours, you're never going to make it through the MCAT. Maybe you got to use videos. Yeah. That's why I say videos. Khan Academy videos are 150 hours. Anyone can do it. You know, double speed through them. You can get through them in 150 hours, 200 yeah. hours at maximum. So for some people, I know they're slow readers. Um, a lot of book sets have 60 to 70 chapters. And some people take 10 to some people take 10 hours per chapter. 700 hours of content Ooh. review. Too much. too much. Too much. It's too much. Yeah. It's too much. And then you got to do the questions. And some people might have that kind of luxury. And some people do. Um, you know, they contact me sophomore year, which which is works. I mean, I think it's fine. Um, I've seen success with it, you know, but you don't need to do that. Um, what What is too long for studying? Because there's there's always the question of if I start studying too soon, am I going to start forgetting stuff? Sure. Um, so... It depends. So um, if you've never taken your prereqs, which some people in Canada, they don't have to take their prereqs. So it's kind of interesting. And some students, we actually have a lot of international students too, who you know are in Singapore and things like that. They, their requirements are very different there. Um, it's going to be very different um, because you're basically reteaching all your prereqs. So you have this like foundational knowledge that comes. That's not really MCAT study, and you can do it from an MCAT book if you want, but it's actually prereqs. You're actually like learning like your prereqs, and then you gotta mm -hmm. review again for your MCAT. So for those people, you gotta like maybe learn like loosely, you know, learn as much as you can for like a few months, maybe even six months, eight months. 
just get it all together and then start your MCAT studying. But I think for the normal student who has taken all the prereqs, even if it was two or three years ago, more than eight months is too much. More than eight months is too much for most people, unless you're in a very specific situation. Um, but I think you can for, uh, remove a lot of the forgetting by using Anki. Because um, in medical school, people are really learning for two years. They start Anki from day one, um, and they kind of do space repetition throughout. You could uh, prevent a lot of the, you know, you're going to forget, but you can relearn. The relearning happens faster. Yeah. So people say, yeah, you do forget. So you're going to end up spending more time on your MCAT, but it's not like you're when you relearn that material can come up real fast and you do need that repetition. Um, uh, so I say eight months is fine. And some people are like, Oh no, yeah, I'm going to forget what I learned day one. Yeah, you are going to forget, but your schedule is not going to have you learn kinematics of physics on day one and never look at it again. You're going to be doing practice questions. You're going to be going through videos again. You're going to be, you know, looking at your error log. You're going to be looking at flashcards that have this information to really keep up to date with it. So, you know, everything stays fresh. Yeah. Raj, we could talk for hours about the MCAT and, and helping students figure out how to improve. Uh, obviously, you have set up the MCAT Bros uh, um, Instagram account, which is awesome. You do lots of Instagram lives with students who have been successful. You run a huge pre-med group uh, on Facebook as well. Um, so people can go and find you. We'll have links to everything as well. What is the, the number one tip for everyone right now who hasn't started studying for the MCAT that they need to go do to set them up for success? Four-year plan of undergrad with your prereqs, with as many you know, classes that are going to help you succeed on this test um, and making sure you try your best to get A's in them. And it's okay if you don't, but try your best to learn the information, not just cram the information right before the test and forget it. Um, because the MCAT's gonna come around and it's gonna be a lot harder for you. And you're gonna wish you know you learned that material and you just didn't cram it. And if your teacher is easy, I mean human nature is to find the easy way out. You gotta somehow find a way to learn that information and be better than your teacher, maybe, you know. Um if you're in a school that doesn't really, you know, teach, teach everything, that's okay. But you got to learn it on your own then, you know, you got to seek, because I know my school didn't teach uh, fluids in, in physics. So you got to, you know, when it comes time uh, for your MCAT studying, or if you're looking at an MCAT book throughout your classes, you got to fill in that gap, you know, that that's missing in your classes. Uh, but I think the four-year plan and doing well is the this is the biggest thing. Um, you know, if you have a 3.8 coming into the MCAT, it's, it's going to be a, a different ballgame than a 2.8 and you're trying to study for the MCAT. It's, it's just going to be, um, you know, and there are some exceptions to that, but it's rare. Yeah. Well, awesome. What is the best, um, the best place for students to go to, to interact with you and everything that you're doing? Um, I think right now it's uh, Instagram. Um, it's it's probably the most personal way to reach out to us and probably the fastest way to reach out to us. Um, I just like the platform the most currently. It's the easiest. Uh, it's very low effort. And, you know, it's it's where people engage with us the most. Um, the other place is probably our Facebook. We have a Facebook page up um, and a Facebook group. And we have announcements. Um, but those are basically our two platforms. We don't really have a website. Although I had the domain, so no one steals it. So don't go out there stealing it, guys. Good job. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, right now we don't have like a, 
place to really interact with us besides the social platforms. Nice. All right. Well, Raj, thanks for taking the time to join me today on the Premend Years and sharing your MCAT knowledge. I'm excited to see what, uh, what comes of MCAT bros in the future. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Dr. Gray. All right. There you have it. Hopefully the conversation we had today helped answer a ton of your questions. I know I get these questions all of the time, which is why these are the ones that we brought up today. If you want more information from Raj and MCAT bros, go to Instagram and search for MCAT bros. Uh, don't worry, you can be a woman and get advice from MCAT bros. I, I should have asked him where he got that name from because I don't know if it's it's the best name, but uh, it is a name and uh, it's a great account and they provide a ton of great information about the MCAT and your pre-med journey. So thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you next time here on the Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.